This is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with me, Dr. Fuck, and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley. So come on and let's go and enjoy another episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast! All right, it is the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with I, Dr. Fuck, and with me, yeah! Ian Wadley getting drunk like Chris Holm does in this next thing we're about to review. Oh, yeah. it, it's a long one. There ain't no news on this episode. Uh, we already recorded, so I said, Ian, let's do an intro because we can't do news to this. So let's get into it because it's a real long show. Here is our review of the movie Decline of the Western Civilization Part 2. The Battle Years. All right, another movie review episode where we talk about Decline of Western Civilization Part 2. Ian, did you ever see Part 1? No, just parts of it, not the whole thing. Well, Part 1 is really, really good. In a way, it's more real than this one, because this Part 1 is more like the dingy, dirty, real side of punk rock. I mean, there was some phoniness to it, too, and a lot of... You know, some extra, you know, like really violent motherfuckers in that movie. And and then it ends really good with fear. Fear like steals the movie, which I feel like Decline Part 2 repeats itself. Because I think Megadeth steals this movie. Even when Megadeth was real, with with a, just an array of phoniness all through the fucking movie. But we'll go into that little by little, but first time I saw this movie... It was uh, down here in a, uh, it was a limited run in a, like a little theater in Coconut Grove, Florida, where, you know, he actually sat on regular chairs, you know, like lawn chairs. It wasn't actually a theater, but, you know, it it was a big screen. And uh, I remember walking out thinking, poor, poor Chris Holmes, you know? But now in retrospect, Chris Holmes is still alive. Watching that movie, you, you really didn't think the guy was going to live, but I heard uh, some of that was staged. That was stunt vodka. Correct. It wasn't real vodka, though. I think that one time where he takes that gulp and he's like, <clears throat> I think that part was real. But the other part where he was guzzling, nah, I don't think that was real at all. And I think he was drinking. He did seem drunk. I don't think that was an act. But yeah, the guzzling part, I think, was an act. Uh... But we'll go into more detail, but that's all I can say. And, and uh, what what was your first experience? It was Decline 2 the first thing you saw? Or you just said you saw, only saw clips of Decline 1, right? Yeah, I'd never even heard of the first movie, you know, when this one came out. And the only reason I knew of this was through stories and Hit Raider and shit. And you'd see ads for it. Actually, I bought the soundtrack before I ever had the movie. And then when I saw it, I loved it. I mean, I definitely loved it, but I kind of wanted... I would have been more interested in seeing bands that I liked than these bands I never heard of and would never hear of after the movie. But in retrospect, I, I, I think I like the fact that it's focused on these nobodies who never went anywhere. I, I just I just feel that whole I want to be a rock star experience is... Uh, it's just fake, and there are exceptions. Like, if you watch the movie, uh, Steven Tyler said, that's how, you know... Before he became big, he had that mentality, I am a rock star, I'm going to be big. Uh, you know, everybody, you got to have that attitude and you got to have that perseverance. I, I, I think that's why they suffered, because they had that attitude. 
Um, I think that attitude's fake. I think that attitude's phony. I don't think you should have that attitude. Uh, that's, you know, that's just... All right, look, I can understand having that attitude back in the 80s because it was all fairy tale shit. We lived in a better time back then. It wasn't until the 90s till it smacked us into shape where all these bands were smacked into shape. I would love to find the guy from Wet Sherry today. That guy. Yeah. Oh, that, oh all of them. All of these guys. That, I think that would be a ten times better movie if she could get all these people back together and just see where they're at now. Uh, it, right off the bat, well, there was this one guy. He had this big, poofy, blonde hair. And they were talking about headbanging. And he goes, oh, do you headbang at shows? And he's like, no, I don't headbang, man. I, I, I kick back and I just watch people make fools of themselves. He's saying this with this big-ass, poofy hairdo. You know, it's like, I would love to think what he thinks of that fucking footage now. I wonder if he's as embarrassed as Ricky Rackman, I'm sure is, with his little lip gloss and eyeliner. And that, where later on, Rick, Ricky Rackman was all like, no, when I was young, it was all about punk rock. You were a little glam rock, pretty, pretty boy, poofy hair, you know, in a band called Virgin. There's just so much phoniness. And I think the greatest line in the whole movie was when they asked Dave Mustaine, what do you say to anybody out there that wants to be a rock star? And Dave Mustaine said, don't. And that, <laughs> that right there is the attitude. And if you look in retrospect of all the bands that are in that movie, Megadeth prevailed. Megadeth is the only band that's bigger than... Who else was in the movie that... I mean, I guess the, the closest was Faster Pussycat, but they they didn't really, they weren't really a, they didn't really pass opening act at an arena show, you know what I mean? And I don't right. even think they were a big draw in clubs. Right. Uh, the one thing, though, I got to laugh at with uh, Megadeth, though, is he's like, oh, I never want to be the guy making music for the dollar sign. And that's totally what he did later in his career. I mean, he was trying to chase the fucking, you know, get on the radio shit. So he did sell out later in his career, too. Yeah, but that, but see, this is my point, though. Megadeth at that time, at that time, you know, I'm not talking about Risk or Countdown right. Extinction. At that time, Megadeth was all about... Oh, I no, I agree, but I'm saying... Integrity. Yeah, later on. Later yeah, on that yeah, 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 he sold out, you know. But um, I just felt like uh, they, they really did, like, put a little bit of sincerity and realism into the genre because just about every other band on there was just ridiculous. I mean, stuff that Spinal Tap would laugh at, it was just so, so out there and, you know, in La La Land with this whole, like the guy from Odin's like, I'm gonna be as big as Jim Morrison, Robert Plant. And then they show clips of them playing live and it's like, how the fuck are you gonna do that playing that garbage? Right. Cause it was tripe and I can tell you, uh, I have, I've said this before in a previous episode, I have a, the Odin EP, it was a pick of the week I, ha I gave, uh, which was prior to this, this shit of Odin, where, um, I actually like it, I mean, it sounds a little dated and shit, but as far as traditional metal goes, I think it's a damn fine EP, but then they went, like, this cock rock way, where it was just so poorly done with gypsy, gypsy. It's just so horrible. And uh, and you know why they didn't get big. And then uh, what happened to Odin was um, 
it just didn't work out, and they did get signed to uh, Atlantic Records under the name Lost Boys. And that album's even worse than what you hear in the movie. It's so bad. And uh, and now Odin, like, they're lucky if they get, like, a, a, a slot opening for some cock rock band that's on his way to the Monsters of Rock cruise. <laughs> Uh, what I believe with this movie, though, is I believe this chick is kind of going out of her way to make fun of metal. Yeah. And, and this scene, because what I did see of the first one, you can kind of tell she loved that music. She loved that punk rock, and I think she kind of jumped on this as, well, it's popular, but I don't like it, so let me get the worst douchebags I can get to make it look bad. Well, and, well, well uh, uh, actually, in, in her defense... You got to see this one douchebag she interviewed in the first one that shaved an X in his head. This yeah. guy makes everybody in decline look like normal people. This okay. guy was a complete idiot talking about beating up people and, you know, talking about fags and niggers. I mean, everything, like the most vile shit. That she, there was several people she interviewed like that. They were just like, you know, uh, kids from the scene that were just... The most low-life cretins you can ever see. So, I think she really did attack the punk scene in the first movie as well. Okay, well, the, you know, I haven't seen the whole thing, so maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, but but I but she did the same angle with this. I'm not saying that she didn't try to destroy the the punk of the the glam rock thing, but she was the same. I haven't seen part three yet. I know there's a part three, and I you know eventually when that box set that's extremely expensive. Uh, comes down low in price, I will get it. Yeah, I kind of... That's another reason I haven't paid the money for it, because I would like to see the first one, because I do love punk, and, I, you know, I love this movie. But the third one is just about gutter punks, and I hate gutter punks. I don't even know what that is. What's gutter punk? It's homeless teenage white kids. You, you know, that, that fucking... You know, just don't want to fucking get a job. All they want to do is... They're real big in New Orleans. You know, and it's like... You know, cut your fucking hair and get a fucking job. Okay, quit begging. Uh, it's real, but you'll see them. You'll see them at fucking red lights with a cell phone. They got a cell phone, but yet they're fucking begging you for money. And and they're young and they're they're able to have no sympathy for them. This ain't like no old bum or some old lady. This is somebody who's fully able to work, but because of how they choose to represent themselves, make themselves unemployable. So I, I have no sympathy. I can't believe. There's actually people that are begging for money that own cell phones. I've never seen that in my life. Oh, yeah. My, my buddy told me one time he's on his way to work. He's a professor. And the, the, this guy's right by his – I'm sorry, a girl was right by the college. And she's on her iPhone, on a fucking iPhone talking and begging at the same time. And he's like, bitch, I ain't giving you money for it to pay for your iPhone. I don't even you know? have an iPhone. Yeah, I, a lot of these kids are like just – they're like trustafarians that get money from their parents, but they just choose to live this lifestyle. So I don't feel any fucking sympathy. Well, you know? shit, I want to see this movie now. <laughs> it's yeah, very, and it's I'm, very I'm intriguing. Sure, I'm sure she's going to make it seem like a fucking Sally Struthers fucking commercial, you know, where, oh, oh you'll want fuck you. If you're young and able to work, get your ass out there and fucking work. I got no sympathy. I feel you know? that way down here, too, and these guys don't even have cell phones, but I see them, I'm like... Bro, you look like you can work. You're not getting a penny from me. Right. You know you know what happened to me one time? Uh, I was coming off the I-95 on an exit. And it was just like, 
black homeless guy. And he comes up to my car. I had no money. I said, dude, I have no money. So I reached like to the center. I had like, you know, change. So I grabbed like, you know, a handful of change. I go, look, this is all I got. I gave it to him, got a green light with a left. The guy threw the change at my car. He threw the change at my car because he was so pissed. You know, I guess it was mostly pennies or something. And I was like, motherfucker, I'm never giving money no more, man. Fuck these assholes, you know? Going back to the decline movie, um, yeah, uh, it did show uh, what was wrong with metal, too. See, if this movie was filmed a couple years prior, when a metal was a little less extravagant with your little poofy hair and your little glittery clothes, when it was a little more real, uh, she hit it right at the right time when it was at the goofiest. Because, oh, definitely. Because it was, that was right when, I mean, in the in the uh, movie, it, it was uh, a poison. Uh, look what the cat dragged in era. Right. You know, when they were wearing all the fucking makeup and everything. Because then soon after that, when Guns N' Roses came to play, everybody stopped wearing the hairspray and tried to be a little more bluesy. But this is when it was like metal taking it up. You see, because at the time, you know, because I'm talking from experience of being there, and you were there too. You just, you you were into it, but you weren't really knowledgeable because you liked the shit, you know? Right. Where I was disgusted by it. And re- believe me, when I was, when I saw this in the theater, I was just like gagging the whole way through going, God, this is really bad, you know? London. My God, is that band terrible. Were they ever good? Uh, I, I don't know. I gotta check it out. I can't remember if I downloaded some London and just never got around to listen to it or not. I know they did put out a few albums. Uh, you know, a great point that you made is, yeah, if they would have done this a couple years earlier, like, I really would have loved to see, like, you know, them talking to Rat and Dockin and Motley Crue and those bands rising. Right. Because, unfortunately, after they broke, and I would say the biggest one you can point to is Bon Jovi. And after Bon Jovi broke, it did create this scene where everybody was getting signed. If you were on the Sunset Strip, I mean, you had all these bands that, you know, three years earlier, your autographs, your your poisons, you know, a lot of these bands that were never rose above third-tier bands never would have got signed if it wasn't for the break of that, you know, that first wave of Cock Rock, the Death Leopard, the Quiet Riot, you know, uh, you know all that shit. But uh, by this time, it almost was like anybody could get signed. So I think you had even more people, like people who never would have thought they could have done it before. And now they think they can. Because, you know, if Tough can get a record contract, I guess anybody. If Danger Danger can get a major contract, anyone can. Yeah, and Tough was. Part of this, yeah. Yeah, they were part of it. It was Stevie Rachel and... uh, Right. And uh, and the interview, like, I'm going to make it. I'm going to be a big rock star. Uh, Seduce. Which, by the way, I do have the Seduce album. Uh, I forgot the name of it. I don't know how I ended up with it. Uh, actually, I have it on CD. Um, well, there's a few decent tracks on it, but at that time, they were the biggest band in Detroit. And they were convinced they were going to be rock stars. That 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 guitar player was like, yeah, oh, where are you going to be in 10 years? Retired. Yeah. I'm going to have stocks and every all this. So, yeah. you know, I'm a, I may have long hair, but I'm a businessman. I'm sure right now he's like, you want catch-ups with that? You know, <laughs> and uh, you know, and then the drummer, uh, the, the 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 singer was a little more real. 
Like he uh, kind of, he kind of like, well, you know, hopefully I'll make it, you know, I don't, you know. Where the other two, well, the drummer was like, hey, I invested my whole life, so I'm afraid. Where the guitar players, oh, we're gonna be big. What's the biggest band in Detroit? Us. Like the cockiness, the bear. That's why these bands don't make it, especially today. There's still bands. Believe me, I'm in the scene, and I'm not gonna name this one band, but I'll give the initials. BJ, like blowjob. This fucking band is so pretentious. And so, they, what they do, this is what they do. And I'm so against this. And any bands out there that does this, hey, look, I'm not looking down on you, but seriously, when you get online and you ask people to vote so you can get on the second stage of the rock energy, you know, festival or whatever, vote, or just to ask anybody to vote for your band, period. I'm totally against that, man. I think that you should make it on your own. You should, I Look, man. I, I'm in Thrash or Die. Unsigned band. Not huge. We do get asked to play here and there. We do pretty damn well for an unsigned band. We've been in a movie. I mean, you know my history if you listen to the show long enough. I have never asked anybody to vote for us. I've never asked anybody to... You know, uh, oh, please plug my band. Please uh, share this. I'm not saying it's bad to do that. That's fine if you want to do that. But to beg people to vote for your band so you can be on this rock star energy uh, second stage at 2 in the afternoon playing to the people that, <laughs> that, that just got there and they walk by the stage just to get to the beer on the other side of the stage. I find it like a waste of time. And this band that I'm talking about, they have wasted a lot of money uh, on their... And dude, you got to see how they are. They, they're like rejects of the, of the 80s, but they look like they're, they're, they're like 80s, but the, also they kind of got the grunge look a little bit, and they kind of sound like that Godsmack type stuff. So it's like, oh. a, com it's like a combination of all three. Like we're rock stars, but we're a little grungy. And you know, you have your, your, your bald guy in the band with the, uh. with the douchebag... Now they're going to know who I'm talking about. With the douchebag beard where it's like, you know what I'm talking about? Like lightning bolts and shit coming down. You know? oh. <laughs> that douchebag fucking look. And, uh, yeah, and the guitar player stalked me. Fuck it! <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm not going to name the name of the band, though. Oh, come on. I'm no. not, now you got me curious. Oh, I'll tell you off the air. Uh, you Brit know, Brittany, Brittany Jocks? Who is it? That's a, that's a better name, trust me. <laughs> but, uh... And, and and this is what's happening. Uh, this has been going on for two, three years. Now they're starting to notice fame hasn't come their way. And they're awful. They, they've been awful quiet lately. And uh, and you know why that is? Because they want to be rock stars. If you're not going to be a rock star, uh, what's the point of doing it? Where Thrash or Die, this, we're now in 2016. Well, actually, this is the January 1st. I don't know when we're going to air this. But in May of this year, Thrash and I will be around for nine years now. Nine years. No band can last nine years if you want to be a rock star. It just it just doesn't work that way. And I find it I find it suffers the music because if you're chasing the ring, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to dance. You're gonna have to dance the dance. You're gonna have to do what. You know, what is popular now? And that's what this band sounds like. If you listen to their music, it is like, you know, Godsmack-ish. 
I even hear like some of the real like Al Axon Alexandria elements and stuff like that. Uh, just to appeal to the young crowd. They're not writing songs for themselves. And how old are these people? Old. One guy, well, the drummer may be younger than me. Uh, and I don't know about the singer or the bass player, but the guitar player went to school with me. Oh, wow. The, the one that stalked me and my ex-girlfriend. Anyway, that's a whole other story. But, yeah, yeah. And, and I heard, I can, uh, you know, I'm not sure this is true or not. But I did hear from a reliable source that he did say at one time, uh, my goal is to destroy Thrasher Die. And I'm like, dude, we're not even big. And we st- and he still hasn't destroyed us. <laughs> is his last name Devereaux? <laughs> yeah. No, he's not that cool. <laughs> so, uh, and, and <laughs> I almost said the name of the band. <laughs> and this band pretty much resembles the Wet Cherry guy. Uh... You know, we're going to be big. Oh, but but what if it doesn't happen? Oh, no, no, it will. No, but what if? But no, but it will. <laughs> you know? I like the one guy. I don't know where he was from. He looks like he was in a thrash band or something. He's like, what happens to you to make? He's like, well, I guess I'll find a drainage ditch and put Did my you? bed in there. <laughs> yeah. Now, that guy, and uh, that, uh, yeah, that guy seemed real to me, you know? Well, he was, he was from one of the cock rock fans, Was too. he? Yeah, he well, was in the... I like he was He was in the band with the drummer that says... I don't bang my head. I, I beat the drums or some shit like that. But he's like wearing the trucker hat in the interviews. When yeah. They showed, him, they showed him on the street without, yeah, and that was his drummer. You know, I beat off on the drums or some shit. You don't remember the name of the band, huh? No. Fucking Gypsy Whistle. I don't know. Gypsy some fucking Whistle. Gay, <laughs> some gay ass shit like that. Yeah, I remember when they were showing the flyers then. Some, like, jaded lady. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's really stupid. I had to pause it. I thought it said Janie Lane. I was like, yeah, <laughs> oh, that's about that time. Well, Warren was uh, around at that time, actually. But uh, the movie opens up with Gene Simmons, of course, and, and Gene Simmons. Oh, at this era, he, he, I think he was he was transitioning back into a man uh, because he doesn't look like the Maud of Asylum. But this is around the uh, no, it was right after it. This was Crazy Nights. Yeah, yeah, this is right before Crazy Nights came out. But he looks he looks thinner, I'll give him that. He looks thinner, but it's still kind of a girly le- leather outfit that's just too shiny. And he's in, he's in a Fredericks of Hollywood, and just, unfortunately, it's both him and Paul. Their scenes are totally forced, oh, totally yeah. staged and rehearsed. And uh, Well, more Paul than his, though, man. Paul's was just ridiculous. Wait, hold on. This is, this is my review of Paul's scene. Hold on. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, you know, I remember in the early 90s, or no, I would say the mid-90s, my buddy's uh, wife at the time said, you know, Paul Stanley's gay as fuck. And I'm like, no, he's not. I'm like, Paul Stanley gets more ass than anybody except David Lee Roth. Paul Stanley's fucking awesome. He's a man's man. But now the older I get, the more I look back at this shit. It's like, man, does he come off like a fruitcake? Yeah. You know, and then, then you know, it's like almost to to uh, prove the point that he's not. He's laying in bed with three girls. And, and you remember, I think... No, no, no. I think it was way more than three. Okay. Was it just well, three? It looked like ten. I believe three. But anyway, uh, I think we talked about this in the uh, Asylum episode. 
I think I believe it was on the Crazy Nights tour. You could buy that shirt that was Paul Stanley and yes. Yes. No, no, it was just Paul Stanley standing with three girls all over. Him. Oh yeah, yeah. But you know what? I, but what's so funny is though, if you watch his scenes here, he has never sounded gayer in his life. I mean, like he's like, I'm not gonna tell you you can't do it because I've done it. The only people that tell you they can are the people that failed. You know, and they're like, and they're like, do you live this life every day? He's like. Yes. As often <laughs> as often as I possibly can. I know. So it's like as bad as Gene's scenes are, Paul is just as bad. I mean these these look like outtakes of exposed. Well, you know, the thing about the Gene thing, what Gene said wasn't untrue. Everything they asked him, he gave an honest answer, you know? All girls like showed their tits at shows and you know, all right. this stuff where Paul is sitting there going, look at me. And oh, yeah. And you think that's bullshit. The whole thing with the with the girls around him. What makes it even more bullshit when they asked him about money? Well, money, money, the only thing that money does, it makes you stop worrying about money. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. We all we all know now you, you, you're a money whore. Right. Oh, and uh, but the, the thing is. Both of their segments seem so like like they read it like 15 times before they did yeah. it. Just nothing comes out as, as sincere exactly. now, like some of the other people's does. Even though, you know, we've come to find out in later years, and we'll talk about this as we go on, what scenes were choreographed and what weren't. There was a lot of pre-planned shit here, but, but Paul and Gene especially, come like, like, you know, they wrote this shit for a month. And, you know, it just, like Lemmy, everything Lemmy says... Just sounds like, hey, that's just coming off the top of his head, and you know, yep. nothing's rehearsed. It's just Lemmy being Lemmy. But one thing I did find out today, um, and I'd read his book before, but I forgot that he mentioned this. Uh, he said that for some reason, Penelope Spears, the director who also did Wayne's World, uh, uh, filmed him from like afar. Right. Like he stayed way far, and she he thought that she did it to make him seem stupid. And I I, I don't. I don't quite understand the comment because uh, I don't think that made him look stupid at all. There, there was a, a decline, and I wish I had. I do have a clip somewhere on VHS, and I, I don't know if they released this on the Blu-ray, which they should. On M MTV had a special on the decline of Western Civilization Part Two, where I remember the KNIC chick they interview in the movie. Yeah, yeah, Ton Ton Mastery. Yeah. She interviews Penelope Spears in this special. And okay. Penelope Pierce says that Lemmy was a pain in the ass because Lemmy wanted her in the shot with him. He didn't. Lemmy is notorious for hating to be interviewed alone. He wants somebody with him on okay. screen. All right, another one we got to talk about that's in the movie is Alice Cooper, mm. and uh, Alice has got some great scenes in this. Now, there's I don't know if it's ever been officially announced. Is it Wasp that he's talking about that he wants to... I believe so, and some people think it's Lizzie Borden. Okay, because the thing is, I was looking at it today, and I'm trying to read his lips. Yeah. And they, they kind of cut so fast, I can't tell. He's talking about uh, bands that rip off his style. Yeah, he wasn't he, happy with one. And he said one band was an out outright just fucking... Plagiarist. Right. And he goes, I'll tell you their initials. But they kind of cut so quick... And there's been rumors. I have heard Lizzie Borden. I have heard Wasp. I even heard Kiss. Uh, you know, so I don't know if anybody knows for sure. 
you know, they, they recorded this. It was released in 88. They recorded it from August 87 to February 88. So Alice is just coming off a successful comeback with Constrictor. I think that, that was Raise Your Fist and Yell, though, that stage he was talking on. Well, that might have just been getting ready to come out because that did come out in 88. Right. But uh, uh, 87, uh, he, you know, 86, 87, he was doing the Nightmare Returns tour. You know, and I, I was even young enough to remember, you know, that was a big comeback for Alice. It had, put it, it, had, it had to be raise your fist and yell because Constrictor, they chopped off his head, raise your fist, they hung him. Right, and they had that thing. Yeah, so he he had, might, he, yeah, he had the news there, so. And then you also get Joe Perry and Steven Tyler from Aerosmith, who around this same time, they are making their comeback because they really fell off the face of the earth. They tried to do the comeback with Done With The Mirrors, and even though I love that album, it wasn't like a huge success, but then they did the uh, the Run DMC thing that really introduced them to a whole new audience. And then they did, you know, bam, with Permanent Vacation, and they were right back on top. They were right back on top with Permanent Vacation. Uh, but they're talking about, I believe Joe Perry states that he's 11 months sober. And I, and I believe he got sober before Steven Tyler, yeah, well, they got they got back together, I believe. They all made the attempt to get sober, and then a couple of them fell off the wagon. But then by the time of permanent vacation, that's when they really, like, all of them, like, okay, you know, we got another chance. Let's not fuck this up. And they took it very serious. Right. You know? And they're like, we, you know, we got to make this money because, you know, they talk about there, you know, he spent all his money. It all went up his nose. And they're like, hey, let's write some commercial songs with Desmond Child and make some money. You know? And it was uh, Dude Looks Like a Lady. Uh, you know, really broke them. Like, uh, you know, walk this way if you really want to boil it down. It broke Run DMC. It brought them back in the spotlight, but it was a Run DMC right, but song. I, that's what turned me on to Aerosmith. I didn't know no fucking Aerosmith, you know? Right. Because because I was a, I was a child that you, they couldn't get killed in the 80s, you know? Uh, you know, I mean, hardcore people from the 70s still knew who they were, but as far as kids I went to school with, we didn't know nothing about no fucking Aerosmith. You didn't hear no Aerosmith on the fucking radio. And then I heard, I remember the first version I heard was the Run DMC version. When I heard the original version, I hated it. I was like, this sucks compared to Run DMC. Now, of course, it's the complete yeah, opposite. Yeah, I felt, I felt the complete opposite when the Run DMC was new. I was like, what oh. is this? is fucking shit, man. Oh, I, I, I can imagine. I'm just saying as a, as a kid who didn't know Aerosmith, you know. You know, just imagine if... Uh, you know, a rap a rap duo comes out and does a duet with Van Halen, uh, you know, uh, Unchained, and does it like Run DMC did. You know, you'd be like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. That, I, that's I, how I, I felt. I, that's how I yeah. fucking felt, you know? Boy, and also, uh, Poison. The Poison interview. Four guys dying to be David Lee Roth. They're all <laughs> trying to be David Lee Roth so bad. You know, it's just... Uh, they, oh, yeah. that, you want to talk about a contrived band. That is the most contrived band ever. And I love when they say to him, oh, what do you think of you people jumping on the glam wagon? And Brett goes, oh, we, we put one of the wheels on that wagon. No, yeah. you didn't. Actually, uh, you know, if you want to go to the 70s where he did say, okay, well, yeah, Sweet and uh, uh, David Boyd. No, 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 dude. Those guys put the wheels and then Motley Crue drove that thing right down in the 80s and you guys jumped on. They had absolutely nothing to do with the glam look. Motley Crue started that shit. 
Oh yeah, Motley Crue totally started it with fucking with Theater of Pain, but uh, that's when every other band copied it, and I mean yeah. every band from Judas Priest to Ozzy to Kiss, everybody copied that Theater of Pain look. But Poison just took it to another level, uh, you know. And Poison, uh, I'll give them this: I'm not a huge Poison fan by any means, but uh, man, they put in the time. And, you know, they talk about it, going with the flyers and shit. They did all the work to get big. Now, I truly think, you know, they got big because of girls. Yeah. You know, and I think, you know, I think that was really the downfall of metal was pandering to the women. Because You know, and I know we got some women listeners, you know, and, hey, I mean no offense, but for the most part, female fans are the most fickle fucking fans in the world. You got that right. They, they will love you for a time, just like all these boy bands. They never last forever because these girls grow up and, and then they're on to something else. And then you're fucked because you, you basically built a whole career around women and now these girls don't care about you. Where if you get the guys behind you, you know, dudes will stick by you. Uh, another star we haven't talked about yet that is part of some controversy in this is Ozzy Osbourne. Yeah. And, uh... It turns out that the whole interview with him is Ozzy making breakfast, uh, which is kind of surreal in itself to see. Like, even Ozzy being up in the daytime is kind of weird to see. Especially during that time. Right. And, uh, but as it turns out, you know, they said there's a scene of him spilling orange juice that I don't, I I didn't even notice the scene. Yeah, yeah, you didn't see that? What, it's mostly cut out of your scene because it's it's right there in the open. I think... Actually, I think that's staged. Oh, no, no, no. They admitted the spill of the orange juice was staged. And the, the real fucked up thing, that's not even Ozzy's house. That's not Ozzy's kitchen. Really? Yeah, they don't say whose it is, but they say it's not Ozzy's house or kitchen. And Ozzy's in a robe and everything. Yeah. Like, like he just got out of bed. Yeah. Now, now Ozzy is great in the movie, though, I think, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he's funny and tells some great stories about, you know, Drinking and drugs and being ripped off and what it's really like to be on the road and what it's really like to be famous. I believe all his answers are sincere. I just think it's silly that they they set up the situation in which it was filmed. Uh, It's kind of contrived, and I I don't like shit like that, you know? Yeah. I I, I mean, I take... When we do an episode, I take notes because I want to be prepared. I want to be informed. But one thing I hate is I I don't want to do something over because I want spontaneity. You know, I mean, I, I want to be prepared, but it's got to be sincere and off the cuff. And I hate when shit's rehearsed like that. That's bullshit. You know? I find I find a lot of stuff on there kind of, it looks rehearsed to me. The only thing that I found like real was Lemmy. Uh, Alice Cooper seemed real. You know, I, I even see the Ozzy interview is real. It's just the surroundings was fake. Gene Simmons wasn't that bad, but I think the worst out of everyone was, was actually Paul Stanley. Yeah, that was bad. That one was the worst out of all of them. Oh, the, the, the Ozzy story that I really love. And there's a couple segments where they go, you know, not only to the, the, the real rock stars, but the wannabe rock stars. And they're talking about groupies and shit and girls and all these crazy stories. And Ozzy's telling this story about him and another guy picking up this girl who's all fucked up. He says they get her about halfway up and the girl's all like, oh, oh, like freaking out, flailing about. And he says it took him a minute to realize he was he was stepping on her hair 
And that's why she was freaking out, because he's trying to pull her up, but he's got his foot all out of fucking hair. I don't know why, that always makes me fucking laugh. I can just picture Ozzy doing that and having no idea. You know why this poor girl's screaming. Yeah, now that you bring this up, I gotta talk about, you wanna talk about stage? That Gene Simmons story about the groupie where he sent her up to the roadies? That oh, yeah. shit is so staged that word for word, Gene said that show on a late night, uh, that story on a late night talk show. That came oh, yeah. out at that time. Actually, he was on that show to promote Decline, and he gives that story again. I mean, word for word. So he swaps spit and blah, blah, blah. And you know, yeah. you know it, even back in the 80s, Gene Simmons always creeped me out when he, when he bragged about groupies. Because it was like, you look at him, and he doesn't... I mean, you know it happened, but at the same time, it's like, bro, it's like, you are one disturbing-looking dude. You do not... I'm sorry, Gene Simmons, to me, never looked like a rock star once he took off that makeup. Ever. He oh, yeah. always looked weird. Until Revenge. That look suited him. That You know, there he looked, you know, in that nice wig he had at the time. But everything he had be between Lick It Up to... Uh, what is it? Um, hot in the shade. He looked. He didn't look the role at all. But you know, it's the legacy of the demon that that pulled him through it. But that right. guy, that guy is a weird, strange-looking dude. All right. Uh, now we got to get into one of the bands that they talk about uh, that never really went anywhere. But I mean, you know, if you're part of the sunset uh, sunset strip scene, you knew who they were, and that's London. <laughs> and uh, wow, uh, they do say in the movie that they're the training school for rock stars because uh, Izzy Stradlin was in London, Nikki Six was in London, uh, Fred Curry from Cinderella. Um, I know some members of Wasp was in that band. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember who. Uh, a, a ton of people. Basically, you know, this was a band that would change members every other week. But like anybody with talent left and had got a successful band and they, they but they tried man they tried from like you know uh 79 i think they started yeah they did because because originally the guitar player uh lizzie gray was in sister with nikki six and uh and blackie lawless right and then nikki nikki and lizzie uh gray i think his name is are the ones that started london but then like slowly everybody left and they just never went anywhere. I will say yeah. this. They were entertaining, though, as far as the interviews go. They were funny. They weren't, like... They didn't seem pretentious to me, even though they were a pretentious band. But I think they were hit with so much bad luck by that point. Like, they kind of saw the humor in everything. And, like, they were talking about, you know, oh, there was a, a place where they played where it was illegal to eat pussy. Yeah, and he's like, and, you know, and he's making a face like, you know, Emmy Pussy, like, you are under arrest, you know. <laughs> and I just found that very humorous. I did find them, they they look like a bunch of guys I would have loved to party with. And then right. leave before they hit the stage. Right. <laughs> well, one of my favorite parts, too, is the lead singer, he seemed like he had the biggest chip on his shoulder. He's like, fuck these guys, I got a bigger dip than any of them. Yeah, but, but it was funny, too, though, at the same time. I didn't really see it. As cocky, they didn't. They didn't annoy me. I thought it, the interview with London was damn fucking entertaining, you know. Well, uh, what I do love is when they go on stage, 
and they're introducing their song Russian Winter. Yeah. And he's he's trying to light the fucking Russian flag and it won't light. I was like, it's so spinal tap. It's so like you can tell nobody in the crowd even gave a shit anyway, but he was trying to do like this cool thing and he's like, it won't light. It won't and then, light. then finally when he did get it on fire, it was a yeah. little tiny flame. Yeah, he got <laughs> he got mad and threw it at the drums. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but this this movie is chock full of wannabes, and uh, it, it's it's so funny though. It, it's it's hilarious. Um, Lizzie but, Borden. I want yeah. to talk about Lizzie Borden too. Lizzie Borden. Why why did they put him doing Born to Be Wild? Oh God! So yeah. many great Lizzie Borden songs they could have played. Red Rum, Rod of Iron. They could have played any of those classic Lizzie songs from Menace of Society. Where it was like so, oh, this day, I hate that song so much. Oh, yeah. I, I don't even want to hear the original anymore. No, no, the original is what I hate. And I think everybody oh. that recovers it, it, it all sucks. With the exception of the studio version of Blois the Cult, I thought they did it even better than Steppenwolf. Yeah, I, it's not bad, but I'm just, I'm so burned out on the song. Slayer did a version. Everybody did no, one of Slayer's was probably the worst version ever. Oh, Man. Even even Carrie King's ashamed of that fucking version, but um, yeah. Why why that song? Well, I correct me because I'm weird with Lizzie Borden. I just I, they were kind of almost on the way. I mean, they had a real short ride, but they were almost on their way out when I was coming into metal. Uh, was me against the world out by this point? Because that to me that should have been the one they played. I think that was at the same time. I could be wrong. Man, they should have played that because that's what even people who don't know Lizzie Borden know that song. But, but Lizzie Borden was never, ever popular. Though, though Metal Blade did did promote the fuck out of that band. But they never broke. I, you know, when you see them in that movie, they've always were at that level, you know? Right, and, and, and you know, that's something I wanted to ask you because... You were more, even more into the scene than I was. And I then. love, and I love Lizzie Borden. I own those records. I bought them back then. Right, but I remember I would always see the ads for Lizzie Borden, the Metal Blade ads. Yeah, right. Yeah. They yeah. promoted this shit, but I, I didn't see uh, Lizzie Borden videos on MTV. I didn't see uh, articles on Lizzie Borden. I just always see ads for a new Lizzie Borden now. Yeah, the the only the well they had videos, but the first video was. Me Against the World. Like, everything before that was never on MTV. The, the only closest that came was um, that Heavy Metal Mania show when Bruce Dickinson hosted it. They had a little news segment where Bruce Dickinson talked about their home video, The Murderous uh, Road Show, where they showed, like, you know, five-second clip of the live show. Oh, Lizzie Borden put up this, whole, this live video. And that's it. I, you've never heard Lizzie Borden mentioned uh, before that or... Until like '87, and uh, that's when Joe and that that version, what you're seeing there, that's Joe Holmes. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, that's Joe Holmes. Then? Joe, Joe okay. Holmes is. If you watch the video that when they're in backstage and the guy that pours water on the guitar player, that's yeah. Joe Holmes pouring the water on the guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought about the, now they're pouring beer on each other. I was like, you yeah. fucking bricks, drink that beer. You don't pour that beer. Well, it was Budweiser. I'd pour Budweiser out too. Yeah, people. People make fun of me for drinking Rolling Rock. Fuck you. Budweiser's the worst beer ever in my life. But uh, anyway, did you ever see Lizzie Borden back in the day? No, but I did see him in like 2001. Uh, yeah. Open for Ingve in West Palm Beach, and it was amazing. And 
Uh, Ingve was so loud and horrible. I went out and I hung out uh, near the tour bus, and Lizzie Borden came out. I got a picture with him. Uh, was it a theatrical show? Yes. He okay. had uh, the axe and uh, uh, he had little dolls and shit, you know? Right. I mean, he looks totally different now, though. Right. Lizzie Borden doesn't look like Lizzie Borden anymore. He's got, like, right. straight black hair and it's all. Right, right, right. It's a weird looking dude. I mean, he was always weird looking, but right. the Lizzie Borden I saw, he had the classic look, the, the big fro, the. Right. And uh, no, I love Lizzie Borden, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of that early Lizzie Borden stuff. Right at Master of Disguise, where I was like, okay. Uh, I could see he was like trying to like get a hit where everything before that, like visual up to visualize. But then again, I never really looked into whatever he's done afterwards because it's so, right. so lack of promoting now. Because, you know, right. uh, he had his chance and, and it just right. never went anywhere. But and, he still has somewhat of a following. And I would say, out of all the bands that they show in this movie, they give them the least amount of time. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're in the beginning. And you know what? That was a hard-working band. But that's a band that I don't believe ever, like, toured outside of uh, California. Right. You know, not that I uh, know of, you know. Let's see. What else I got for notes? Oh, <laughs> one of my favorite parts of this is there a, there's a lot of interviews with Poison throughout the movie yeah and you're either talking you know they're talking to either bobby doll and brent michaels or ricky rocket and cc and fucking cc cc always cracks me up because he's such like a ball of fucking energy and just going a thousand miles a minute makes no sense and i love what he's talking about uh you know you you, you can get rich and, and buy uh a le mans yeah <laughs> And, and fucking Ricky loses his shit because uh, those of you old enough to remember the 80s, the Pontiac Le Mans was no, like, fucking sports car, you know? It was, like a, it was like a Ford Taurus. It was, like, a totally, like, the wrong thing to give an example of. And fucking the look on Ricky's face, like, dude, you're making no fucking sense. And then he tries to say, like, how they support each other. He goes, you know, when, when three of us say to the other four of us, yeah. And uh, uh, and he just keeps fucking it up. <laughs> That's where the accountant like, comes in. Yeah, and it's just like, oh, shut up, CC. But it, it's it's entertaining. It's hilarious. Well, I, I find CC, you know, I, I believe me, I'm not a Poison fan whatsoever, but I think he was awesome and behind the music. It right. was the House of Horrors. It was the House of Horrors. Yeah. <laughs> that oh, fucking the, voice. The, the funniest thing CC's ever done, oh, my God, and they never replay it, and probably for good reason. But do you remember, it was in the mid-90s, VH1 had a thing for like a month or two, Rock and Roll Jeopardy. Oh, yeah, and I, didn't, I didn't see the one with CeCe, though. Oh, my God. And he even admitted in an interview later, he was coked out of his fucking mind. <laughs> and and every, every rock player, uh, they're, they're playing for a charity. They don't get to keep the money. The money goes to a charity. And uh, he's playing for kids with Down syndrome. <laughs> and, you know, you, you've got to talk about your, your charity and everything. And he goes on to say, and how this didn't get edited, I don't know. But he goes, oh, God, he goes, I love those goofy bastards. <laughs> he did? He said, I love those goofy bastards. Oh, my God. And, and the host of it was Jeff Prost, who does uh, Survivor and shit. They cut to his face. And the look on his face was like his jaw dropped. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you 
refer to kids with Down syndrome as those goofy little bastards. Oh, and, 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 and hey, look, I'm not trying to make fun of fucking retarded kids, but it was so goddamn funny, you know? And like, <laughs> it's just CC coming out, you know? It's like, I don't think he was trying to be mean, it just came out. <laughs> it was so funny. And I met my girl saw the same thing, and she's like, oh, God, they never play that anymore. I'm like, yeah, probably for good reason. I can't believe it made it the first time, but oh, if that's on fucking YouTube, I, I need to look that yeah, shit up. Yeah, I gotta see that, man. Another thing I thought was cool they showed in here was uh, how bands on the Sunset Strip always had to pass out the flyers. Right. And all the work they had to put into it, man. And it was a lot of work, because as soon as you put up your flyer, somebody would rip it down and put up another one, but... I mean, these bands worked hard to get people to come to the shows, and that's that's an important thing, though. I mean, if you're gonna make it, man, you gotta promote, you gotta sell your shit. I was there, you know that in '85. Uh, I, uh, I I was in California for a while, for months. I lived there, and uh, I was part of that scene. I mean, I, I did venture to uh, the Sunset Strip, and it is everything you see in that movie. That movie was shot maybe a year after I left. But, you know, I saw Guns N' Roses at the Troubadour two years before they were signed. I saw Poison. I did see Poison. Though, I, I remember, and you know what, they did put, I didn't like them, but they did put, uh, there was confetti at their show. You know, they had confetti, like if it was a KISS show toward the end. And um, who else did I see? I saw Odin. This Odin. I did Don't see Odin, and I took pictures. Here, oh man, I gotta tell you. The but what, was it? Was it the same singer? Odin's always been those four guys. Oh, okay. They've okay. always been those four guys. Um, and and actually, I saw them at a Mexican restaurant before the show, but I didn't bother. <laughs> I didn't bother them though. I did buy the vinyl while I was there. I still have it. It's a white vinyl. Don't take no for an answer. Is a great album. Forget that shit you see in that. Uh, actually, that EP that I bought, it's great, man. But what was I gonna say? Here's something wild. When I saw Odin, there was an opening band called Stone Soldier that went nowhere. Nowhere. I mean, I never heard from them since, but they were really good. And this is a wild story. When I used to deliver Chinese food back in 2007 or 8, 2007 or 8, I was delivering Chinese food and, <laughs> and I had an Armored Saint shirt on when I was delivering Chinese food this one day. And I went to this guy's place, and who lived in, you know, uh, if anybody out there knows the show Dexter, I don't know if yeah, you ever, you yeah, ever watched lo, Dexter. Lo, seen every episode. The Dexter, it. where Dexter lived, that's where right. this guy lived. Oh, that, that same apartment complex? Yeah, that same apartment complex. I would deliver food there, you know, different people, because my Chinese, the Chinese restaurant wasn't far from there. So I went up, it was on the other side. And this guy answers the door, and he sees the Armored Saint shirt. And he's like, oh, man, Armored Saint, I haven't heard of that band in ages. And I was like, yeah, you know, this night. He goes, yeah, yeah. I used to be in a band back in the day in LA. I go, oh, yeah, what's the name of your band? Stone Soldier. I was like, oh, my God, dude. I saw you open for Odin at the country club. And he's like, holy shit, I remember that show. It was wild. And I ended up getting wow. a demo, which I don't know if I, I have a demo on cassette somewhere. But what are the odds, dude? You know, like this band, Stone Soldier, and I still have, I took pictures with one of the disposable cameras where I took a picture of the marquee where it said Odin Stone Soldier. Wow. And that's why I remembered the name of that band. But I did see them. They were kind of new wave of British heavy metal-ish type. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they wore the goofy clothes, though. 
But they were good. They were really good. I th- and I and Odin was great too. I remember Odin played an immigration song. But my point is, is that I did live uh, in a place called anybody in LA listening, you know, that I was close to there. I used to pl- live in Robertson Boulevard. Robertson Boulevard. You can see the Hollywood Mountain from there. And the Hollywood Mountain wasn't far from the Hollywood Strip. Uh, I tell you, another guy that freaks me out in this movie, they only show him briefly for two scenes. <laughs> but is the 18-year-old concert promoter? That, oh, looks, like a, that yeah. looks like a gothic Brian Slagle. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, like, and like he's being interviewed in front of stained glass. glass. Right, and he's got like purple. He's a, he's a large man. With purple hair, but he's 18 years old. It's like, what kind of concert promoter? Like, how, what what kind of big promotions are you doing? You know, or, uh, fucking homecoming dances and shit. <laughs> yeah, it was a very odd, odd uh, looking dude. Oh, and speaking of odd looking dudes, you know who we got to talk about? The Skunk Boy. The Skunk Boy. Hell yeah. Oh boy, I'm gonna be a rock star. Oh man, yeah. He's like, it's gonna come pretty easy for me. I mean, look at me. Yeah, know? I'm different. Well, yeah, yeah. That, that's obvious. Oh, God. And, and Megadeth, uh, in their home video, Rusted Pieces, yep. that ca- that came out, uh, they talk about that guy, you know, and, and make fun of him. And no, they actually and said, nice haircut, fag. They actually say that. Oh, yeah? Nice haircut, that? fag. They say yeah. that in the whole video. Yeah. Uh, I'm telling you, this movie was just so full of these just poser, phony people, you know? Right. But I would say even more than Skunk Dude, the one that you really want to see, like, fall on his face the worst. You know, the one, like, there's no way you can root for him. And, and that is uh, the guy you talked about earlier that's got, like, the, you know, the the little silvery bandana. But he, he's like, I've never had a job. I can't stand the thought of working. You know, and they're like, you know, did you graduate? And he's like, no, I left school in the seventh grade. I just can't handle anybody telling me what to do. Oh, God, and then they ask him, you know, do you get a lot of girls? He's like, oh, I get all the girls. He goes, when, when they see me on stage, they're mesmerized. <laughs> you know, and just like, oh, my God. And then, then he, uh, there's a part where he's talking about the groupies, and he goes, he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, you know, when I get, you know, famous, I'll give them, you know, furs and, and, and the, the Mercedes Benzes and all that. <laughs> and she, and she, she's like, you'll remember him? He goes, oh, yeah, all of them. And then, and then they just they almost pause it, and then you just hear people laughing yeah. as a, as as an audio track. But this guy is the douchiest of the douches. Yeah. And oh my god, I really, I, I really want to see like what the other guys at Waffle House have to say about their coworker. You know, nowadays. You know, you know who he reminds me of? Zebra Boy from uh, from uh, Heavy Metal Parking Lot. Yeah. That kind uh, of that kind of stupid attitude. When they say, well, are you going to make it? No, no, I'm going to make it. No, but what if you don't? He's like, come see us and you'll understand how we're yeah. going to make it. Yeah, actually, I like Zebra Boy better than fucking Wet Oh, Zebra Boy, Zebra Boy was at least funny. Yeah. You know? This guy was yeah. just fucking annoying. Oh, God. And then, how about the big girls? You got oh, <laughs> the sluts who, who, who've been in town for five weeks and already have been in six orgies. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, let's see what's next on my list. Oh, one. You know, we talked about it a little bit, but, uh, man, this this is the part, even people who don't know the movie or would never watch it, the most legendary shit is Chris Holmes. Yes. And uh, you, you talked about it earlier. I do believe 
he was drunk. I think so too. You know, and I I think the uh, when he's sharing that uh, uh, the vodka and orange juice, the screwdriver with his mom, I believe that's real. Yeah. But as as far as those bottles in the pool, that's water. You know, because you can kind of tell because look, I I like to drink, and one time I chugged some vodka like that. Dude, I see, like you've heard people, you know, the song "Blind in Texas" would be a blind drunk. Right. I literally, I, I got alcohol poisoning. I lost my vision. <laughs> that, that that that's a real thing. It happens, dude. Right. No, it's it's scary. I could have died. Right. Dude, don't don't drink like that. I mean, that that it's just you could die. You know, in all seriousness. And when he chugs on that, there's no way you can take that much liquor without even like a little. <gasps> yeah. You know, you know, or a little something. Now, I think what happened was, especially when you hear how she, uh, you know, fabricated all these other scenes. Now, he might have drank those two bottles, but he didn't chug them. And probably he just filled them up with pool water. Like, hey, watch this, you know. I think, actually, the first bottle was real. Because if you look closely, he chugs, like, maybe a gulp. And the rest he just pours on his face. Right. That was the first bottle. You know, and then he answers the question... After he does that, with that little gasp, like, uh, like yeah, you know, cause, and that's what happens when you chug a little alcohol. You know, uh, you're kind of like, uh, you know, so you hear that. But then when he chugs the second bottle, yeah, he answers like it's nothing. I said, yeah, that now that stage. But yeah, he was definitely drunk in that video. But uh, it's it's made even more uncomfortable that his mother's there. Yeah. Like, oh man, I, I, I and mean, you can tell she's just as bad as him because at one point he's like, "I'm a full-blown alcoholic," and she's like, "Only when he's awake," you know. And that's kind of like an alcoholic joke, you know. Right. But uh, see, I, I heard that uh, I heard that he was re- raised in a religious household. Now I don't know if his mother lost her religion or what happened, uh, but I heard he was brought up religious. But uh, you can tell his mom doesn't look particularly happy. But at the same time, you know, she might have a nice house now because of, you know, his money. But it, it is sad to see him, you know. And then she talks to him like, you know, why are you drinking this much? You know, and are you happy or are you trying to hide, you know, some pain? But, uh, yeah, I mean, he definitely seems like somebody who seriously has a problem in that one. He, he doesn't seem like a like a happy drunk he seems like he would really be like a like an angry or a sad uh, a a sad drunk and it's a shame because chris holmes was a great metal guitar player yeah but you know at that time i mean i mean now uh if you listen to chris holmes interviews which i'm fascinated by that man now very fascinated by him uh he moved to europe because it's all rap and shit here you gotta love that oh yeah and he when he talks about the past he he started to hate being in Wasp by Last Command because Blackie was on the cover and, right. and inside there was like the circus, that shit happened and that's at the same, this time. So yeah. he's very unhappy being in Wasp because he saw himself as a sideman where the band started as a band. Right. Oh, and then the, the, the thing where Blackie wouldn't let him go to uh, the American Music Awards with yeah. the Awards yeah. and shit. Because it'll make him look bad. Right. You know, and then... Uh, I mean, he never should allow. He should have put his foot down anyway and said, "Okay, go fuck yourself." But then again, he kind of also knew where his bread was buttered because Blackie wrote all the songs and stuff like that. You know, part of it could be why fuck up a good thing, but you know, 
you know, Blackie seems like, and I love early Wasp, but Blackie seems like one of the douchiest motherfuckers on the play. You want to talk about douchebags? Well, dude, the guy wanted to punch Lemmy. That's all I got to say. Yeah. You know, he actually yeah. wanted to fight Lemmy, which is, dude, have a little respect, you asshole. Yeah, I would have loved to see Lemmy whoop his fucking ass. Too. No, but, but maybe he couldn't. I mean, Lemmy's old, man. I mean, at that time. And right. Blackie was much younger, so it wouldn't have been a fair fight, you know? Yeah, but but all, all the bullshit that fucking Blackie's pulled over the years and his whole, like, you know, that stupid microphone stand, you know, and canceling shows because I can't get in there. And he's played the same abbreviated set list. I can't believe people, so many people are naming this fucking last Wasp album on their top ten of the year. What? Like, are you fucking Dude, nuts? Dude, it, did, it, it didn't even make my top... Uh, I, well, the Dr. Funk show had the best of 2015. It didn't even make that. And that show's two hours long. Yeah, yeah. No, a lot of people put that on their top ten. I'm like, man. Well, did we listen to the same record here? Yeah, I think people were just like, oh, a new Wasp album. They're just... Believe me, dude. I, I wanted to like it. Yeah. If you put on the first Wasp album, then you listen to that. I said, I... Really, everything to me has been half-assed since fucking uh, Headless Children. Uh, there hasn't been one album that I love all the way through. There's been a handful of songs. Yeah. But I admit it. I, I did like some of Crimson Idol. I did like some of uh, Still Not Black Enough. But after oh, that, after that, oh, I never Oh, really God. When he gets on his fucking I'm Pete Townsend fucking bullshit. Oh, God. That, that really gets on my fucking nerves. I thought some of those songs were really good. But as a whole, no, it wasn't. Crimson Idol is not as good as... Uh, a lot of people make it out to be, but I think it did have its really good moments. It, there was really good shining moments on that album, yeah. but but no, I mean it's Headless Cross, Headless Children, way better. Yeah, and and now he looks like that fucking chick on uh, Dance Moms. Oh God, he yeah. looks like Ab Abby Lee Miller. Oh God, fucking pathetic. All right, uh, but yeah, Chris Holmes, very very sad to see him in that state. I'm a big fan of his guitar work. Uh, Vixen was another band that hadn't blown up yet, but was in this movie. Uh, the bass player, the drummer, and the singer were all in various interviews in the movie. But they would go on to be more successful than any of the actual bands that they talked to, with the exception of the last one. But uh, another thing that was great here was the Cat House. Oh, yeah. The Cat, the cat House with uh, Ricky Rackman and Tammy Down opened up this club. And I used to know the story. I don't know it anymore. Like... One of these kids is a Trustafarian. What I, I, I bet you anything, it has to be Ricky Rackman. I can't remember if it was Ricky or it was Tammy. One of them came from fucking, you know, their parents were rich. And that's how they got this club, you know. I think uh, both of them, if they both went into it, then they both most have money. Yeah. You know, it's not like, oh, just go, I'll pay for everything, just be my partner. I don't think it was that way. Well, I, I could kind of see that, like, if, if Ricky had the money... And Tammy's in a band, like he might want to do that. Like, yeah, I'll make you a partner if you bring other bands here. But I, I, I don't know, so I can't, I can't claim to say. But I think one of them was a rich kid. But uh, this, this is what I was really infatuated with when this movie came out. You know, not only that, but the whole sunset, uh, sunset scene. And I would go to California in 1990 when I was 16, and I was driving up and down, and I'm seeing Gazaris, I'm seeing the Rainbow, the Tribudor, all this shit, and I couldn't get into anywhere. I was fucking 16. You know, I couldn't do anything. But I'm just driving. That's the one thing I wanted to see while I was there. And I'm driving. I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. And there were still people on the streets. Now, granted, you know, this was 90. It was starting to die down a little bit. 
It wasn't the heyday of this movie or when you were out there. But still, it was amazing. But, you know, by the time I became of age, I could actually get in these places. Everything's gone. You know, everything's gone. And it's a shame. Yeah, it's just, uh, I was there at the height, man. Like, 85, I think, was the peak. Right. And I was there, man. I, well, I guess 86, too. 86, 87. But it was insane. I, I had I had sex with a girl in a parking lot. Uh, uh, during that t that era, it was very easy to get laid too back then. That's another thing. A lot of girls were out to, and I had the long hair, you know. I but I looked more like that guy that wanted to sleep in a drainage ditch <laughs> than than you know wet cherry guy. But uh, but no, I mean, I, dude, I went to the Sunset Strip for one reason, one reason only, to get laid because I didn't know any of these bands. Right. You know, I mean, every band that I saw, I did know Odin. That was the only band I actually, oh, let's go see Odin. Because back then, uh, and I still have it, dude. I still have the same, uh, ma it was a free magazine. Right. I can't remember the name of it. It's very popular. And I have the one, I have one while I was there that had the Guns N' Roses, LA Guns, Poison, Warrant, uh, all these fucking bands that were uh, 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 an ad for Slayer at the country club. Right, I, I had to, by that time I was already out of California, but um, it really was packed to the gills, man, uh, with people all walking down, and it was very easy to pick up chicks. I mean, if you're a fucking lunatic like me that likes to hit on everything, on you know, like a hundred chicks at once. I, unlike Florida, where I had to try like about ten times, there, man, I would get a girl like right away. <laughs> I'm more better looking back then, too. I was much slimmer. Oh, God. Well, after the cat house, and they described what, like, a whorehouse that was, it sounded great to me. i never been there. You know that? Oh, yeah? You didn't was, go there. Was, huh? was that on the Sunset Strip? Uh, if it wasn't, it was right off of the Strip. I know it was in the vicinity. Yeah, I know uh, the, the cat house I never went into. Th that might not have been open, though. When you uh, when you were there, right? I'm not if sure. You're there, if you're there in '85, that might have Cat House might open late '86. Okay, because I left. Yeah, I left like November of '85. Yeah, so it might not have been open yet. But uh, after they talked to Ricky, they also talked to the band Faster Pussycat. Yeah. And uh, I, I thought it was pretty funny that uh, there's a scene there where they talked to them about drugs. They're like, "Oh no." We don't do drugs. Well, everybody says they don't do drugs except the drummer. He just kind of looks down, and that's the one who, you know, got the notoriety for getting arrested for having heroin shipped to his fucking hotel room. Oh, boy. On the, on the, on the second tour. And I love that. Even though I love Faster Pussycat, man, I always thought Brent Muscat. I was like, dude, does this guy look like a fucking little girl or what? That guy. I'm telling you, nobody looked more like a girl than that guy out of yeah, all yeah. the glam bands. Oh, yeah. He looked exactly like a chick. I thought it was a chick. Oh, like, man. Because the first video I saw was not Bathroom Wall. What was the other song? Uh, Don't Change That Song. That one. Yeah. That In that video, I was like, oh, they got a girl rhythm player. Oh, and even the way even the way he pulled his hair back was real feminine. Yeah. You know? Uh, but it, it was so funny because they talk about, you know, what they had to do to make it. You know, they're like, oh, we got Brett to suck all their dicks and shit. He's like... Ha ha ha! You know, but he was. I mean, I like his guitar play, but man, very effeminate. Uh, but that that was a funny interview. You know, they kind of tease him about 
hey, where'd you get the idea for those scarves? <laughs> you know, he's like, sorry, Steven. Yeah. And, you know, like, totally fucking stole it. I, I can't, I never liked that band. Can't stand that band. And that interview was not, they, they were all right. You know, they, they were, it, again, it was like London, you know. It was like, I can't stand these bands. But when oh. they were interviewed, it was entertaining. It didn't come off as pompous or fake or phony and you See, I, I I think Faster Pussycats' second album is the best Aerosmith album they never released. I, I I would put it miles above anything Aerosmith's done since fucking Night in the Ruts. I know a lot of people that love Faster Pussycat. My friend Ronnie, who uh, actually got Appetite for Destruction before anybody right. on cassette, he bought that and Faster Pussycat, and he raved about both of them. And I was like, well, the Guns N' Roses is good because you know I actually knew of them already. Right. But I was like, but man, I can't get past that those vocals. I just yeah. can't stand those vocals. See, I, I like it. I mean, I really love, you know, the first album's all right, but to me, the, the second one is light years above. And then, you know, they next one wasn't as good and they were gone. And now they're like a almost an industrial type thing. It's band. just Tame Me Down now, right? Right, yeah. And what, what, I didn't know for sure how you felt about Faster Pussycat because... Their uh, original guitar player, Greg Steele, just friended me on Facebook. So I thought about maybe having him on the show. But yeah, I don't mind. I don't mind. I uh, mean, as long as he doesn't mind, I don't right. like him. <laughs> uh, and then another band we talked about uh, a little bit earlier is Seduce from Detroit. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, we kind of went into that. You know, I, did, I laughed, too, where the guy said he was going to be retired with his stocks and bonds. That was hilarious. And my mean, you know, even if you were big. You know, you, you, in 10 years, you can't retire, bro. I mean, yeah. look, the biggest band out of all of them was Guns N' Roses by far. Bigger right. than Motley Crue, bigger than Van Halen. They right. were the biggest band to come out of Sunset Strip by far. And look at them now. They're fucking reuniting because, you know, they have no money. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, another thing they got into the movie, I was surprised is how anti-groupy a lot of them got. You know, I was like, man, look at you motherfuckers. You, you ought to be lucky to get laid instead of bitching about fucking groupies, man. Yeah. But they, they kind of go back and forth, you know. They, 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 they're they anti-groupy, but then they turn around two minutes later in the interview and they all reveal how they're all supported by women. <laughs> you know, you know, women pay for everything, you know. And yeah, especially fuck, the strippers. and Yeah, fucking them for groceries and shit crazy and uh one thing i'd say out of all the bands that they interviewed that didn't make it i would say the problem was is they weren't good looking you know uh or they had like you know they uh like paul stanley said about the line of a wicked luster it looked like people waiting in line at the bus stop you know you got a tall guy you got a short guy you got a fat guy you got a thin guy and i think with all these other bands that you've never heard of again you know like even odin you know, the, the singer was a pretty boy, and bass player was all right, but Jeff Duncan, who would go on to Armored Saint, he was kind of chunky. The drummer was kind of chunky. and They were brothers, and, by the way. Oh, yeah, that's right. They were brothers. Uh, the Chunky Brothers. And uh, But the thing is, this is the time where everybody's writing it for the girls. Yeah. And if, and if you weren't, you know, you had to look like Poison. I mean, okay, Poison did have CeCe, which he was kind of like the Mick Mars. You know, you got right. three good-looking dudes, and then you got the one dude who can play, <laughs> you know. Uh, but, I mean, girls, all they care about is the prettiness and the, and the ballad. 
You know, like like my girlfriend, you know, we talk about Motley Crue, she refuses to acknowledge Mick Mars. You know, like, yeah, yeah, because you just, you know, fiddle yourself to fucking Tommy and Nikki and Vince, you know. But to guys, it's about the music. But if you're going to make it in that hairband shit, you had to be pretty. And you had to write girly type shit. You know? And uh, these guys, they just weren't good looking enough. Because their music, for, you know, quite honestly, none of it was that great. But it wasn't far removed from, like, what Tough or Danger Danger was doing. It was just as shitty as that. They just look more like chicks than these other bands. You know? Yeah, and, and but then again, I mean, if they were good looking, it, it's, it, you know, you gotta say, Poison was an exception. Bon Jovi was an exception. These are bands that, I mean, no matter what I think, and no matter, I know there's a lot of ba- uh, fans out there. They Come on, come on, let's face factors. They, they are mediocre, at best. You know, yeah. I, I know, look, the Bon Jovi thing, <clears throat> I know Bon Jovi writes really good music for for Cougars. You know, I mean, that, I'm sorry, man. If you, I know, I know Greg Barnes or somebody on the rock and metal combat. I think, he yeah, has, but that, but that's like a woman. He probably wants to yeah, fuck but, Bon Jovi. That's but, why he likes it. I think there's a few more too. I think, uh, who's oh, my, Stephen, yeah, Stephen Kirsch. He, yeah. yeah he, he yeah. questions his sexuality too, though. Well, okay. You know, when I see that, I think, okay, I guess there are exceptions. There are some guys that like Bon Jovi, but as a whole, the reason they still play stadiums because it's chicks. Yeah. And and if guys go to those shows, I say about eighty percent of them are going to get chicks. You know, but it's mostly chicks, older chicks. You don't see like many young chicks go see Bon Jovi. Uh, and the same thing with Poison to a lesser extent. Poison can go out there and it's a fucking chick fest. You know? Oh yeah, and, th- and then you get guys who go because they know the chicks are going to be there. Exactly, know? and a lot of the girls that do go to these things, with the exception of Bon Jovi. The Bon Jovi, I really do feel it is legitimate. These chicks love those fucking forever songs and, you know, I love you baby, always there for you shit. You know, it really did resonate with these chicks at a young age that it's hard for them to let go. I can understand that. Because I know girls like this. Right. But uh, as far as Poison goes, dude, that is like... Dude, that's like some really, really slutty chicks that go to that. Right. That, well, you know? and, and what pisses me off, I uh, really hate about Bon Jovi, is, is that fucking cocksucker does everything he can to distance himself from where he came from, yep. from, the, from the metal scene. But, you know, here's the thing, cocksucker. You're the one that dressed up like you were in our scene, you know? Yeah. You you dressed like you were fucking metal. Now you don't want to be fucking metal. You know, now, you know, he puts out a country album. He puts out a pop rock album. I mean, his shit is, you know, there's not much difference between Bon Jovi and Huey Lewis. Only The only difference is I like Huey Lewis. But it's pop music. It's pop rock music. It's not fucking metal. He, he was trying to be the pop Bruce Springsteen. And he still is. Trying yeah. to be that, like telling these little stories and acting right. like, you know, dude, Bruce Springsteen, and I'm not a Bruce Springsteen fan, don't get me wrong, but right. Bruce Springsteen's right. the one that went up on stage, oh, when I met the big man and this and that. And I've right. seen Bon Jovi do the same shit. Yeah, back in the, back when we played the Stone Pony, yeah, it's like, shut up, yeah. you're so fake, man. Yeah, right, right, you know, your music is, you know, your lyrics are one notch above fucking Brett Michaels. Let's not fool yourself, you know. Yeah, shit no, I'm telling you, tell you know? I'm telling you, if he was my dad, I'd do heroin. <laughs> That's funny. Made beer come out my nose. Oh, man. Oh, man. 
Oh man, I would love to sell smack to fucking Bon Jovi's daughter. Yeah, that, that's that's awesome. it. When I heard that and I heard she didn't die, I laughed. Oh man. Oh man. Uh let's see another character we gotta bring up. Shot the through the arm! <laughs> you missed uh Vane! Yeah. <laughs> um is the old lady. I don't know if she's like a social worker or what. The one that tells you about how, you know, what metal people wear and the 666 and what all that means. Oh, I loved her, man. She was awesome. Yeah. Oh, she's funny. Yeah, that, that was great. I never, till I saw the movie, the whole side yeah. of the horns, I never realized this. It, it is true. There's a six and there's a six and there's a six. There's... You, can, you can find anything. No, but it, it is true, though. Come on. It's right. true, but none of us would have ever known it if it wasn't for the help of this awesome lady that brought it to our attention. I love that bitch. Oh, yeah. I like how she says she has a program to de-metal kids. Yes, yeah. and you know, here's another thing. You know, how you, you know how you de-metal a kid? You play Bon Jovi. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you get him to like Bon Jovi. But here's the funny. Ain't it funny how back then, this shows you how fucked up times are. Back then, I mean, okay. Our worst crimes of being metalheads are being, you know, taking drugs and drinking. That was our worst crimes. Today, it's the kid, today the kids are into Glocks and shooting yeah. people and being ghetto with their pants down by their ankle and nigga this nigga that. Nigga. And yet there's no, there's nobody going. There's none. Where are these people from the '80s to say something about this? And that's what we're dealing with today. But but back then it was about, you know. Okay, we gotta take these kids out of it because they're they're getting drunk, they're getting high, and they're worshiping Satan. So we gotta stop that. Yet today, it's nobody's trying to stop this. If anything, they're encouraging it. I mean, we have people like hating cops today. I mean, really hating the police officers. All I can say to all you people listening now that hates a cop: next time somebody breaks into your house, call a crackhead to help you. There you go. Thank you. All right. Now, my, time for my hero of the movie. And, uh, man, th th I truly picture this guy as being your father. I know he's not your father, but if you had a father, this is what I picture <laughs> the way you are. And that's Bill Gazzari. Yeah, I love that guy. Oh, my God. I love this guy. He just seems like the, the coolest, like, perverted grandpa or, you know, you're, that uncle you're not supposed to hang out with. And unfortunately, he's no longer with us. Neither is his legendary club. But, uh, oh, what a fucking character. And I love all the bimbos that they talk to at Gazari's. The one place like, this is a classy joint. You think Beverly Hills is classy? This is classy. And then they talk to Miss Gazari. She's like, I really hope this helps with my modeling and my my actressnessing and, uh... Uh, movies. <laughs> yeah, that was that, that. That girl was like, I, I was watching that thing, thinking to myself, I'm in love, right? <laughs> but uh, oh man, he's just he's just a perverted old man. I love that. He says, of course, I love 18 year old girls. I loved them when I was 18, and I love them now. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that was a great line. <laughs> oh, that made me, that made me think of you. And then he, he said. He says, I'm not a 60-year-old man. I'm three 20-year-olds. <laughs> you know? But, uh, man, what, what, what a... It was cool to see a guy that was part of a bygone era because he looked like somebody out of the Rat Pack. It's funny because he says the guy's going to be even bigger than David Lee Roth. And yeah, poor guy. That, 
that didn't happen. The guy from Odin and he's yeah, Randy O. Yeah, and he's wearing the assless chaps just yeah. like David Lenrod. And like, yeah. hey, only Dave can pull off. David Prince are the only people who should be able to walk around with assless chaps, unless yeah. you're unless you're in a leather bar, you know. I, yeah. I guess. <laughs> but uh, after Gazari, it leads to Odin, which other than Chris Holmes, I think Odin's probably the most famous and most goofed on. You know, in this movie, like everybody, you say you cannot say Odin without people going, Odin, Odin. Oh my God! That, uh, I think I think that really destroyed their career too. This movie, they just became such a joke. Now, you you said they were the ones that they changed their name and became Lost Boys. Yes, I have that album and I haven't listened to it. Oh, yet. it's really bad. The first track's okay. It's called Crying. It's all right. Right. But the but, rest but, is just horrible. But that makes sense when you think about it because Odin, when I hear the name Odin, I think of like like either German power metal or like a traditional metal band. You're right, where, yeah. Where, where Lost Boys sounds like what they were. <laughs> yeah, you know? but but like I was telling you earlier, their EP, right. I don't right. know, it doesn't really sound power metal, but it fits the name Odin more than what you see in this movie with Gypsy, Gypsy. Right. Well, so, so basically whatever was popular, they played at the time to get signed. Right, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Like, when they did that, oh, okay, traditional metal was in vogue. Then that's out of vogue, and it's cock rock, so now they're playing cock rock. And then, you know, that Lost Boys looks like a Nelson album cover, you know? I'm sure it's probably Nelson-like music. It's but. only it's only him on the cover, too, Randy O. Yeah. He's the only guy on that album cover, like, already. Well, it's, they're trying well, to it's, sell. It, 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 yeah, it's smart because he was the pretty boy, so they tried to sell that image. Right. You know? And the video was shown on on Headbanger's Ball once, I think, once or twice. Really? Yeah, really? they made a they made a video for the song "Crying." I don't think I, I don't think I ever saw I'm it. I'm sure it's on YouTube. But uh, you know, Odin, man, when they when they show him playing live, to me, they sounded horrible. I mean, it sounded like real subpar. It was cock bad. I mean, really bad. And, and then, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, it it didn't sound anything like the EP. Right. And then it kind of goes into where, uh, right before they end with Megadeth, they kind of talk to everybody that's in these bands, and, and, you know, not only the bands that they show, but other aspiring musicians that they interview in and out the movie, but where everybody's going to make it. Yeah. Every one of them, you know, and, uh, man, almost all of them believe it. Except, I love they show the two kids that they look like, the one dude with the real curly look yeah. like he almost looks like a Hasidic Jew. Him and his buddy, you know, especially his other buddy, he's like, yeah, yeah, that, that'd be nice. That, yeah, that'd be cool. And, you know, they're the only ones like, well, maybe we won't, but everybody else, oh, you could tell them, you know. Right. And, and and what a great documentary you could make nowadays, talking to each and every one of them. I I would love to see who's still alive, a, and you know, b, what they're doing and what they're up to in it. You know, not not to goop, not, not like I'm better than anybody else, but it's so funny. Uh, some of their attitudes, I'd just love to see what they think about how they came across in the movie. And, oh, I'm sure and, all and of them, well, just about all of them have to be embarrassed. Even if they didn't look like, uh, act like a fool, they did definitely look like a fool. Right. Even the chicks. I'm sure a lot of girls are very ashamed of their big hair past. I noticed on uh, Facebook and stuff. Because right. I've seen girls on my Facebook that were tagged by their buddies from an 80s picture, and they're like, take that down, you know? 
Like what we were talking about, you know, I, I was going to bring this up, but I forgot. When you were talking about how Bon Jovi's ashamed of his past. Right. Um, I remember hearing Eddie Trunk talk, like, talk about that because Bon Jovi released a book, a picture book. And uh, Eddie Trunk was slamming it because he said in the whole book, there was only two pictures of the 80s, the big hair. And even those pictures were kind of tame compared to what they really looked like at the time. So Really? But, you know, it does make me smile to know that Bon Jovi knows at one time that he's ashamed of what a phony he was, at least at one time. That makes me smile. But for me, dude, you find any picture of my past, and I'm, I, I haven't changed except for the beard. You know, I still have the same, I still wear the same clothes, same scraggly hair, gained a few pounds, but I never changed. I never, I never wore the big hair. I never wore a bandana around my head. I never, I was never in that scene, you know? I mean, I, I just left that for the professionals, you know? I, I gotta, I gotta send you some pictures of me. I, I did have a mullet. In junior high, my See, freshman that, year. That I never had. I never, I've never, never had a mullet. Oh yeah, yeah. I had it. Well, that was. It, it used to be a fight, you know, to, for me to go get a haircut, and that was like my only little, you know, letting it grow in the back. But oh god, it looks so terrible. And then finally, I was just like, "Fuck this! I'm growing it all." You know, as I got a little bit older and more, you know, bolder, I'm like, "Fuck it! I'm growing everything out." You know. Right. But oh yeah, I got I got some bad mullet pictures. Oh lord, yikes! That's one thing I never had was a mullet ever. Oh yeah, I did uh, have the I did have the white walls, the shaved side. Yeah, I had that too. I had that at one time, but the hair covered it, you know. Right, right. And and I sweat profusely with that, you know. Yeah, everybody had that after the fucking Motley Crue video and uh, Faith No More and shit like that. I had it no before that. It, it was actually Jason Newstead. Yeah, uh, and that's justice, true, and justice for all. Eighty nine yeah. is when I had yeah. that look. Yeah, and but eighty nine yeah. is the same time when Motley Crue did it too. Uh, okay, the, okay. Don't don't go away, mad video. And eighty nine was the same year that uh, no, Mike don't Pat, don't go away, mad. Don't go away, mad. Was like late nineties because you got to remember, oh, Doctor no, Feelgood. It, it, no, listen, Doctor Feelgood had a lot of singles, and it was like a year after that album came out. Uh, do your research. Uh, okay. Don't go away, mad. Uh, was like a good year after that album came out. So yeah, uh, Megadeth does stick out like a sore thumb, but it was a great time for them. Even though, you know, So Far So Good was a letdown to most people, they were still held in high regard and they were still very much a dangerous band at that time. And uh, I, I'm glad they were included because it gave a little, a, another side of the metal scene compared to everything else you were seeing in this movie, you know, there was this other movement going on that was, you know, just as important and more important, really. It was full of attitude and snottiness and, you know, Dave Mustaine. I mean, Dave Mustaine didn't come out as snotty as he really was. He was a little more reserved. They might have edited somewhat, but he did seem like modest to the point and, uh, you know, uh, oozing of integrity. Like Megadeth just seemed like Every band you saw before, I'm talking about bands, and I'm not talking about Alice Cooper or, you know, or whoever. I'm talking about just bands or Lemmy. They were just interviews. But as far as musical, they ended it right. Just like, to me, the first the first decline, it did have an okay band here and X was all right and some other ones. But Fear, 
like blew every band away. Oh hell yeah! Badly, you know the way that that movie ended, and it was awesome. It was full of attitude where people spitting on them and fights breaking out. It was great. So this this one, even though it was a little more tame, it did have it did end with integrity, and I thought Megadeth was an awesome awesome way to end this movie. That was it was pretty much a joke to sincerity to end with sincerity all right well this movie it was kind of a cult thing for a long time because it was released on vhs and then you know after that all went away in the 90s you really couldn't find this movie anymore other nope. than you know if you download off a torrent site exactly or, you know, you, it was you never saw, on dvd right you saw some shit on uh on youtube but it was kind of the stuff of legends that, you know, old headbangers like us would talk about and goof on. And... But now you can get it on uh, Blu-ray. You can get all three of them coming in a box set. But it's like 50 bucks. Yeah, it's too much. And, and it's not worth 50 bucks. No. You know, but I, but I think they're kind of doing that because these they do have a cult following. They're, they're thinking they can rely on that shit. And... Uh, I think that goes against everything they've done. This movie is is about dirt bags and for dirt bags, and dirt bags ain't got fifty bucks to spend on three fucking DVDs. When you go to Walmart and get three fucking goddamn Wesley Snipes movies for five dollars, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, or, or Jean Claude Van Damme movies or Steven Seagal shit, you get three movies for five bucks. And here they want three, you know, fifty bucks. Kiss my ass. I mean, you know? I would I would pay fifty bucks if it brought a whole a whole a different movie of Where Are They Now. I think yeah, that oh, would. Yeah. I think then it would be worth fifty bucks. Shit, if, I, if I, it had a good twenty-minute video with Wet Cherry guy, I, I I'd pay fifty bucks for that alone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, just that disc alone. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but for this, not so much. But uh, hey, if you do, uh, I hope uh, our Amazon link is working and you, and you use that. <laughs> yeah. But, oh yeah, uh, yeah. You'll be able to buy like half a six-pack with that money. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, but yeah, that's our review. That's our movie review. I don't even know if you need to see it now. We pretty much did the whole damn thing. But it is worth seeing. No, no, you know? it's worth seeing visually. And believe me, it's even funnier than we described. Yeah. And after you watch it, then get drunk and watch it again. Yeah. You know? Good shit. <laughs> All right. Everything you heard just now was recorded a few weeks ago because Ian had to leave to some party or some shit. But, you know, we pretty much finished the review. But, Ian... Something I didn't tell you. Since okay. uh, we've done this episode, I did a little, re little research and I found a little information on Wet Cherry Guy. Oh, yeah. Yes, really? I did. Holy shit. Yes, I found online a guy that was in Wet Cherry and he says he hasn't talked to him in several years, but the last time he spoke with Wet Cherry Guy, he owned a furniture store. Now, I know what you're thinking. How can that guy, that loser, fucking, how can he make money to make a furniture store? Ah, there's something that we didn't know about Wet Cherry Guy. He came from money. Ah. His parents were filthy rich, and I'm sure they bought him the, the furniture store. So I found, if you go on Google, and I don't know how, how I found it, but it is a member that was in Wet Cherry. I guess if you punch up Wet Cherry with an eye, You'll find it, and yeah, that's he did. Last he heard, <laughs> last he heard from him, he owned uh, a furniture store. Now I don't know if he still owns that furniture store, 
And of course, I'm sure he's very, very ashamed of his role in that movie. So that that pretty much caps our, our review of Decline, right? <laughs> yeah, hey, I'd buy a Barca lounger from that guy. Fuck it. Wet cherry with an eye. I didn't even know that good thing. Of course it's with an eye. What a fucking homo. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> that's awesome. Great news. All right, so that's the end of our uh, Decline of Western Civilization review. But wait, we got a very special guest that just called in. And you know him, you love him. He is the best. Fuck the rest, Mr. Bill Wang. Hey! Hey, hey, hey! Rock and Metal Combat Podcast, a place to be. Diddly D, yeah, bam! Hell yeah! And, and Bill, it just so happens yeah. you, you called us right when we ended our Decline of Western Civilization Part 2 of the Metal Years Review. Have you seen that movie? Yeah, I have seen that movie. I, I barely remember it, but I have seen that movie. Yes, I have. Dr. Fuck. Yes, sir. All right, just uh, give us the scenario. Where did you see it and what year? Uh, I saw it in 1988 when I was living in Concord, California. And it was back when I used to do a lot of narcotics, so I don't really remember a lot about that movie. But I just remember the Chris Holmes craziness and it's phenomenal and his mom was so proud of him and whatnot. <laughs> and Gene Simmons and Paul Stanley, Paul looking as gay as always. And, uh, and I remember a couple other little tidbits, but not really much. But uh, yeah, Apartment 206, Cocker, California, bam. So that's, what we, that's why we are the Rock and Battle Combat Podcast. We have people on exactly. our show to review stuff they hardly remember. Yeah, right, exactly. And I'm numero uno. Well, let me let me refresh your memory a little bit. Uh, do you remember Paul Stanley in bed with all those chicks and it still didn't convince you that he was hetero? No, I, I just thought, God damn, those transvestites sure look like women. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> do you remember the wet cherry guy? The, the, the wet cherry guy? Yeah, he was the guy that kept saying he was going to make it when they kept saying, well, what if you don't? He goes, but I am. I'm going to make it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that guy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Not a lot of people do, unless you know that movie. Um, and uh, right. how about uh, Odin? Remember Odin? Oh, yeah, of course. Odin. The infamous Odin. Oh, my Odin, God. It's like, Odin, yeah. Odin. <laughs> Wadzilla always says that. Yeah, another uh, uh, Odin. I mean, like, uh, like a what? A, a beat? A third-rate Anvil, I guess. I don't know. You know, as far as popularity in a band that never made it, I guess. Right? Man, I don't but even yeah, think that, they that, got signed or anything. You know? Oh, is that right? Oh, fuck. Uh, well, there you go. You gotta, you gotta love some Odin. You know, I, that should be my, that should be my new thing to do at shows. Like, like in between, like opening bands and shit. I'm just gonna go Odin. you didn't get killed because I, I understand Lou Reed Lou Reed shows you're not supposed to have a sense of humor yeah well I, I did, oh my god oh no dude you went with me. we uh, me and my buddy Rich Bitpin 
We were so fucked. Well, I wait, got wait, wait. What's that guy's name again? Rich Vinpenny. Vinpenny? Yes. Also known as Dickard. And because uh, Rich Dick Dickard Dickard was his nickname. And on my personal Facebook page, I always do Dickard's uh, Closet 80s Classics, and that's always for him. But uh, I got a little wild at the show, and I went out, I left my seat, and I jumped up on the catwalk at the theater we saw him at, and started walking around on the catwalk during Walk on the Wild Side, and damn near got kicked out. It was a, it was a trip. <laughs> well, I, I got to say, I'm very impressed that you both stayed awake while you played that Borfest song. Yeah, it, was a, it was a great song. And the black girls say, shoot, do do You know, Odin has more integrity than that. I'm sorry, Odin. Gypsy! Gypsy's more fucking, has more integrity than, shoot, If I had to do it over, I wouldn't shout Twisted Sister. I would shout Odin. Yeah. Hey, let me just say, let me just say something real fast. Ian just brought something about being at a show and shoot, uh, shouting out something that makes no fucking sense at all. I went and saw Roth in Reno, California, during his um, uh, L.A. like you know who he, he was playing shit like uh, Lido and all that. He had chopped really short hair and everything, and he he played nothing, no Van Halen except Jump. But anyways, after Lido, I'm literally all coked out in the fifth row with my one of my best friends. And I'm screaming, Unchained Main Street! Unchained Main Street! And fucking Roth was looking at me, and I had a security guard take me out of the fucking the horizon. And then he says, man, if you keep that shit up, we're going to kick you out. So, yeah. So, I've done the same thing, Godzilla. <laughs> there you go. I'm, I'm amazed you were the only one screaming that. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, they're a pretty weak audience. So yeah, that, and, uh, and yeah. I was the guy behind you screaming Lido because I'm, I'm a big Von Skaggs fan. Oh, are you? Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, I was. Uh... <laughs> it, it's the lowdown, man. It's all about the lowdown. Yes. Right. 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 So, Bill, uh, uh, not to put you out there, but and I know this is a last-minute thing. You just, you, know, you, you just called up because you know you're like, let's see what's up with the uh, with Wadzilla and fuck and. You call right during an episode, which you know you have that car blanche to call yeah, during yeah, an episode. Yeah. But uh, yeah. I'm going to have to put you out there, man. I'm going to have to make you think fast because we're about to do okay. pick of the week. You got one? Uh, yeah, yeah, I got one. I got one. Sure. Cool. Tell us your pick of the week. Uh, my pick of the week is 1976 Paul McCartney in Wings Over America, my very first album I ever received, even before I got into Kiss. Paul McCartney, Wings Over America, triple album set. What a great, I own that on vinyl, and I got to tell you, man. Oh, I feel like letting go. Fuck yeah. That's all I'm saying. Let me yeah. roll it, fucking uh, medicine jar. Yeah. Holy fuck. Dude, that album kicks ass. Yeah, anybody out there, yeah. you want to hear some hard rocking. I mean, yeah, you have your little ballad and poppy songs on there, too. But, you know, that was yeah. pretty, that was like a very heavy uh, era for Wings. Rock yeah. show and... Absolute talk. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And and it's on Blu-ray now. I don't know if you know this. Oh, it's, I did not know yeah, that. No, uh, sir. They yeah. They released it on Blu-ray. It's called Rock Show. It's the same show. And uh, you right. can get it now. It's complete. So, uh, 
Great pick, awesome. Bill. Great pick. All right, guys. It's fucking great. I'm just like kicking back here in San Francisco. Man, I got to talk to my boys, Wazilla and Dr. Fucking Mo. Man, diddly D. So I got on the phone. Here I am. I got shit to do. I got fucking places to be. Vinny Vincent needs to be found, and I'm the man to find him. So it's been great talking to y'all and Rock and Metal Podcast. Combat Pod Pack Podcast, yeah! Yeah, Bill Wang, thank you so much. And Bill, you have carte blanche, dude. Anytime you want to crash the show, you are the only one I'll let allow do that. All right, all right, yeah! Not no Justin Childers who doesn't like to get his ass licked. Yeah, fuck that hillbilly. (laughs) Thank you, Bill, and we will talk to you soon. All right, guys, later. Later, guys. You got a pick of the week? Of course, I've always got a pick of the week. And I always don't. I know. So I'll go into mine, and my pick of the week is the 2003 album from Ministry. And I know I'm going to fuck up this title. It's Animosity Samana. I don't know. Anyway, it's Animosity, like spelled the front words and backwards. Kind of like the the, uh, Grateful Dead album, Moxa Moxa, or however the fuck you pronounce that shit. Anyway... It's a great ministry album. It's the last one to feature Paul Barker, his sidekick, you know, bass player for many years. And the last one to sound truly like ministry to me. Now, I've loved some of the albums that have come after, but it's more like the thrash, you know, metal version of ministry, which I love. But to me, my favorite ministry is when they straddle the line of industrial and hard rock. And I think this is a fantastic album with some great songs and uh one of the standouts is the cover of magazines the light pours out me amazing they do such an amazing cover of that it's uh it's an incredible album if you like ministry check it out man you'll you'll know which one look it up it's the one that starts with a fucking a i guarantee al jorgensen can't pronounce it either yeah i know right okay my pick of the week is um Sebastian Bach's Angel Down. I don't know if I ever did uh, give this one a pick of the week. Uh, I don't think so, but I am now. Uh, If you're a fan of like Bruce Dickinson, uh, Accident of Birth, and uh, Chemical Wedding, or Halford's Resurrection, uh, this is really up your alley, because it is another Roy Z uh, produced album, and it's in the very same vein of those albums I just mentioned because it's very it's straight up traditional metal and uh, I love it man I think it's a the sound of it's great Sebastian sounds great the songs are great Angel Down um, You Don't Understand there's a lot of great songs Uh, he does Back in the Saddle with Axl Rose and um, I highly recommend Angel Down that is my pick of the week edit Great album. Great. I believe uh, Smash Box, that is the best sounding solo album. Yeah, yeah. I think he did say that. But uh, and it's, uh, to my, in my opinion, his best album. And uh, uh, oh, and yeah, I, like, I, I liked uh, I liked kicking and screaming. I thought that was a good one too. You know the two ones, the two, and give them hell. I own them both, and I I have not listened to them enough to pass judgment. Right. Where kicking. where Angel Down, I was playing constantly when it came out. The, the title track, Kicking and Screaming, I think it's the best song he's ever done. But I, I do like the uh, him and Axel doing Back in the Saddle, which I, I think Axel's only on the last verse because he showed up late. No, I think I think he sings throughout the whole song. It's a I duet. Know. It's a joke. Oh, 
I'm sorry. I, I've, ha- I've been working almost three weeks in a row, and I got another two weeks to go. I haven't had a day off in many, many weeks, and I'm pretty. I'm, I'm not all here, man. Uh, well, uh, you're a hardworking man. Hats off to Roy Harper and Ralph Vieira. Yeah. Uh, righty. Well, now we got to go to fan of the week, and fan of the week this week is James McCormick. Isn't, and, he, uh, isn't he like an, a famous Hollywood actor? No. Oh. That's Lee Van Cleef. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. You see, I know I get those two yeah. stuff. Yeah, this is James McCormick. I believe he's from Australia. James McConaughey. Be... That's what I was thinking about. Oh, you're thinking of Matthew McConaughey. Oh, Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> wow. I told oh. you, man. I haven't slept much, man. I, I hope you don't work for the Ministry of Defense like you're in charge of the business. <laughs> Now you gotta admit, like Matthew McConaughey was awesome, and uh, uh, I can't even come up with a funny title for a movie. Days of Confused. He was good. At Days of Confused. Was he actually in that movie? Yeah. All he, right. He, all he, right. All right. He was good in Gone with the Wind too. Yes, him and Clark Gable. And that movie where he, uh, him and uh, Buster Keaton, the one with Buster Keaton flying off the fucking clock. <laughs> That's a good movie. He was in. That is. All right. Well, James, man, you have joined the Facebook page. You contribute a lot. You post a lot. You comment a lot. And that's what we look for, man. When you join, don't be a fucking wallflower. Fucking become part of the family. James, you've definitely done that. So we thank you, and you are our fan of the week. And thank you for not being like Bob Dylan's son. Yes. That's Jacob Dylan. He was was awesome in uh, Gone with the Wind as well. That's right. With one headlight. And Debbie Does Dallas, awesome. <laughs> he was a fluffer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I see we have a little bit of time left, so I'm just going to pick some obscure tracks off the soundtrack, which, by the way, the soundtrack is amazing. There's a lot of songs on the soundtrack didn't didn't show up on the actual movie. And here's one of the tracks, and if we have more time, I'll play some more tracks on this album. This is from Rigor Mortis, which is nowhere in the movie, but it is on the soundtrack. This song is called Foaming at the Mouth. Yes! I'm 
do every week. Uh, talk about the stuff we got to, and that is Podbean. Check us out on Podbean, our home, uh, our main page, where there's links to everything, where you get every episode every Sunday morning. Go on there, you know, follow us. Uh, subscribe, whatever the fuck it is. Leave comments. You can leave, if you join up, you can uh, follow us, leave comments on the episodes. Uh, I love that kind of shit. Also, check us out on iTunes. And if you're on iTunes, subscribe to us on iTunes. That way you get every episode. And also leave a review. You leave a review, we're going to read that shit on the air and make you famous because people all over the world listen to this shit and they will hear your name and hear your review. So be funny and give us five fucking stars. Also, check us out on that metal station where you can hear us twice a week. Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern and Sundays at 11 a.m. Eastern. Also, while you're on that metal station, stay on that motherfucker because always after our show, you hear the Dr. Buck show. And that can, man, that can be two hours or that can last two days. Those are some crazy fucking shows. Yeah, I'm, I'm spontaneous, man, depending on how I feel. If I'm drinking liquor, if you tune in, I'm drinking liquor, chances are I'm going to go on for like eight hours. Oh, yeah. So definitely check it. You love this show. You love Dr. Buck. Check that out because he plays some of the best shit, some rare shit, some amazing shit. And even more important than that is the amazing stories he tells. And he's very interactive. You can go on that metal station's chat room. Yeah, yeah, it becomes, actually, it's a show where everybody's involved. Everybody asks me questions. I tell their names. Then I answer the question. There's no question I stray away from. Like, you know, somebody asks, what's your sexual fetish? And I was like, I like to have my ass lit. So, you know, saying shit like that, you know I ain't got nothing to hide. <laughs> Somebody okay. also asked me, are you gay? And I said, no. So you know I'm fucking, dude, I mean, I did, I admitted I wasn't gay. There's nothing I'm not afraid to say. Yes, he is not gay, but he loves the music. Yes. <laughs> All right, while you're still on that metal station, check out a friend of ours, a big fan of the show, Mike Tyler has two shows. One on Tuesday that is strictly thrash, and another one that, on Friday that just plays everything. And there's a lot of great DJs on there, and probably by the time you're hearing this, I'm going to have my own show on there. Rock Cock with Ian Wadley. Oh, you're going to call it that? Rock Cock, yeah. All right, good. You, got, you finally get to use that name. Yeah, it's the Rock Cock. Uh, and, uh, man, I, I, I hope success. I can only dream to be as good as Ralph. Because uh, he does a hell of a job, and so does Mike Tyler, and all the DJs on that metal station. And listen to that shit 24 7. want to thank Scott Green for believing in this show and playing this show twice a fucking week. That's how much he loves us. Awesome. Also, check out our Amazon link. You want to support the show? There's a way. You get something you want anyway, and we get a little bit of kickback. And, and we appreciate it. And uh, that's what I like. We win, you win, everybody wins, and you can buy anything you want on Amazon. Doesn't have to be music or CDs, as long as you use the link that's on the Podbean page. You follow that, whatever you buy, I get a little kickback, man, and I appreciate that shit. And uh, last but certainly not least, get your ass on the Facebook page. That is where all the craziness and drama goes down. And uh, I post on there Monday through Friday, Ralph is on there too, and it's just 
and man, no holes barred. You can say what you want to say, have fun, and uh, man, let's talk about rock and metal. It's a good time. Check it out. Then we want to talk about some shows that we believe in and some shows that believe in us. Uh, one you really need to check out is Ralph's friends at Barbarian Rage. Definitely check them out. Ralph, you want to say something about Barbarian Rage? They're great guys. They're funny guys. They, and they're kind of like us, spontaneous, because every time I'm on their show, they call me up going, hey, you want to go on the show right now? It's like, oh, okay. And I'm never ready, and they always yeah, and they're they're awesome. They're They're spontaneous. They're different than us, but that's what makes them awesome. People that are different than us. But then again, everybody's as different than us when I think about it. Except people on Science Science Asylum, but they don't have a podcast. That's right. Uh, also, check out, here's part part of the Rock and Metal Podcast family, and that's Ironcast. Check out Ironcast with Greg Barnes, Mr. T from Germany, and, uh, and uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, Luke Ennis, the ringmaster, Luke Ennis. Uh, definitely check them out. Check out Kissery Science Theater, man. Our friends up north, they eh? in the Great White North. I love that fucking podcast. One of the first ones I was ever exposed to. Check out Ken Mills, a great Cheap Trick, uh, dedicated podcast, Cheap Talk. He also has a uh, Monkeys podcast called Zilch. And uh, I'm not going to mention any more. We're going to let these guys talk for themselves. Here we go. Yeah, here's a bunch of IDs. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting Podkissed, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your Podkissed. Every month, the Podkissed crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkissed. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Hey, everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... You'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll, and it's always free. Ear Pillar, the podcasting and interview news site. To keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear, go to earpillar.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed what we had to say about Decline of the Western Civilization Part 2, The Metal Years. I hope you enjoyed it, and I know you did. So you might as well come back next week when our special guest is the boy wonder himself, Burt Ward from TV's Batman, 
is going to show up to talk about his favorite album, Paul Stanley's second solo album, Live to Win. Holy, hold me and touch me, Batman. Exactly. I don't know why he likes it, but I'm dying to hear it. That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. We got to be here. <laughs>